2: What's up, you guys? Carlos Toro here, lead boxing writer of Fightful.com. It's 4 p.m. here on the East Coast and, well, 5 p.m. here in Puerto Rico on Thursday, every other Thursday. You know what that means. It is time for the Fightful Boxing Podcast. We have a loaded, loaded show here. If any of you have a question for me dropping down in the chat. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe to our new Fightful MMA channel. We really do appreciate it. We're bringing you more MMA and boxing content on this channel while we're kind of also putting a lot more pro wrestling side on the pro wrestling channel that we got, but we're trying to build up our new Fightful MMA and boxing channel. So leave us a thumbs up subscribe. We really do appreciate it, but uh, we have a very, very big show not just in this one but we have one this saturday and i know what you're thinking yeah it's it's we we just had a big big event and now we're doing this all over and now we're just doing another big show that's what boxing is nowadays it's big show after big show every weekend it's uh it's kind of like ufc And where there's a big card every single weekend. In a way, it's kind of overwhelming at times. But listen, I I can never complain about too much good boxing. Although it is a bit tough for myself and for a lot of people to just kind of, you know, catch up on everything. Hell, I I still... Have not caught up entirely on a couple of cards that I've been meaning to watch for. Not not anything too big, but uh, just wanted to. But mainly like stuff like undercards of uh, the the zone boxing card that they had in Italy uh, the last week, I believe. Uh, I saw so I'm not fully seen that. Uh, I saw a little bit of the. Recent matchroom car from England, the Kell Brook versus Michael Sarafa fight, and if you have any questions regarding that, and was that to come, the aftermath? Could we see Kell Brook against Amir Khan? Kell Brook against Jared Hurd? I, I don't know. That's a, there, there is a lot, a lot of what ifs and scenarios that could ultimately play out. So again, you have any questions? Don't be afraid to leave them in the chat. I, I will be more than happy to. Answer any and all questions. Now, the big thing about this weekend, it was obviously the biggest card of the weekend and that goes without saying. It's Gilberto Ramirez versus Jesse Hart 2 on ESPN Plus. No, no, not not no. I, I I will try my best to watch that, but that's that's not the biggest card of the weekend, nor do they have the best fighters of that weekend, you know. Not come just kind of go up against what Bob Aram is saying. He actually said that Jesse Hart and Hilberto Ramirez are better can beat Canal Alvarez, which I do kind of find ludicrous and uh, kind of laughable at the same time, but regardless. It is Canelo Alvarez fight week. He is facing Rocky Fielding at Madison Square Garden in the main event of a Matchroom Boxing slash Golden Boy Promotions card on the zone. The only way you can watch it in the U.S. and I believe also in Canada is through the zone. So hey, there's a free trial going on. So you don't even need to pay that. Uh, pay for the monthly subscription. Although I do kind of recommend it if you're a boxing, if you're a hardcore boxing fan and you got disposable income, I suggest uh, getting that the zone subscription. Which is listen, there's a lot of good, good, decent boxing cards uh, almost weekend and week out, The World Boxing Super Series have been providing really great moments and fights throughout the year, but. But hey, this week is all about Canelo Alvarez and the card overall is one of the deepest U.S. cards of the year. And just before we get on to the main event, a quick rundown throughout the, throughout the entire card. Obviously, you got the main event, Canelo Alvarez versus Rocky Fielding for the WBA secondary version or regular t- uh, version of the title, if you want to call it that, of the super middleweight title. So Rocky Fielding is kind of the secondary champion, while Callum Smith. Is the what's considered the super champion, or at least the top WBA champion? Those who will be fighting for that belt in the co-main event. You got David Lemieux, who is the mandatory challenger to the WBA middleweight title that Canelo Alvarez possesses. He'll be facing against Turiano Johnson, who last we saw lost an IBF middleweight title eliminator against Sergey Derevianchenko. That that probably could provide an excellent, excellent uh, highlight. If we've seen, if anybody has seen David Lemieux in the ring, you know he's capable of giving an outstanding knockout knockout of the year contender t- every single year, and that's just the way David Lemieux is. So you got that as the co-main event. Uh, main event, two world title fights also on the card: Kevin Farmer versus Francisco Fonseca for the IBF super featherweight title. Katie Taylor defending her IBF and WBA women's lightweight titles against. Long-time rival, the two have been fighting for well over a decade. all going back to their amateur days against Eva Wallstrom, who is also world champion in her own right. She is the WBC super featherweight champion, and she's moving up in weight to face Katie Taylor. Then you also got a lot lot of big names from Golden Boy. Some of their better names. You got Ryan Garcia. Against Bra- Braulio Rodriguez. Lamont Roach going up against Alberto Mercado for the WBO International Super Featherweight title. Uh, and I, I'm sorry if I mispronounce this. Bailo-, Bailo Akawi against Victor Fonseca. Virgil Ortiz Jr. against Omar Tienda. Ives Ulysses Jr. against Maximiliano Becerra. And you got lastly uh, Sadama Lee, former world champion, 154 pounds, retired Miguel Cotto last year. He'll be going, moving down in weight actually to welterweight to face, I think, is Mauricio Herrera. That could uh, honestly be potentially the sleeper hit of the night, as far as the undercard fights are is concerned. But hey, lots of lots of big fights, lots of you know interesting moments we could see on Saturday night at Madison Square Garden. Let me know what you think of that of that lineup. Do who do you think is gonna win the bigger fights? what do you have winning between Canelo Alvarez and Rocky Fielding? I honestly do think that this fight is actually a closer and more competitive fight than I think a lot of people are giving rock uh are giving credit for. Well yes this fight is nowhere near as glamorous and as exciting or is generating the amount of hype uh, as Canelo vs. Golovkin too. Don't get me wrong, but right frankly, I, I do think that there is something to be said about Rocky Fielding's career trajectory up to this point. Because let's all remember, it wasn't that long ago when he faced up against Callum Johnson. And he just got knocked out in the very first round, mind you. And quite frankly, a lot of some people thought, you know, I thought that this might be it for Rocky Fielding as a potential world title challenger or world champion. And if my mistake, now was not kelm Johnson. Callum Smith is who knocked out Rocky Fielding back in 2015. So overall, I do think that this fight is a lot more competitive. There is something to be said about Rocky's size. And his, you know, and you look both Canelo and Rocky's Rocky is so much bigger than Canelo Alvarez, not just in weight, but in height That that really could be. That could be a factor into this fight. I don't think it's going to be a huge factor. But listen, Rocky is the underdog and has done well as as the underdog. He's performed admirably since the Callum Smith loss. He went to Germany and fought Tyron Zogan. Quite frankly, a lot of people thought Tyron was going to win. I thought Tyron was going to win, and I personally thought that it's a little too soon for Rocky feeling to be in this position. But boy, did he prove me wrong in a big way by beating Tyron in the fifth round by um, stoppage. That was uh, That was big for Rocky's career. It it gave him a, a sort of notoriety in the UK that I didn't think he could achieve, uh, especially after that first loss, because he looked he did not look great, uh, but uh, in that fight. But since then, he has performed admirably. He's done very very well. I think Rocky and his jab. I think they could cause some trouble for Canelo Alvarez. But let's not forget that you know this is canelo alvarez's first fight at 168 pounds this is you know a proper 168 pound fight because he's only fought at above 160 only once in his pro career if i'm not mistaken that was the fight against julio cesar chavez jr that cluster you know what that uh that that fight was actually not a 168 pound fight it was a 164 and a half pound catch weight. So Canelo was still not needing having to bulk up that much. And I don't know how, how Canelo is going to look when he gets to the weigh-ins. Is he going to look a little bloated? Is he is he going to have difficulty, you know, amassing all that extra weight? I don't think he will. I don't think he's going to have much of a problem. But Rocky and his trainer, Jamie Moore, have a lot of uh, very, very tall task ahead of them. Part of the problem is, and I asked Jamie Moore this on a conference call not too long ago, and you can find that that clip on MMA and Boxing.com where I asked Jamie Moore, what it, what did it took to try to prepare Rocky Fielding? How do you find sparring partners that can mimic or at least try their best to mimic Canelo Alvarez and his skills in the ring? And he told me, you really can't. Get, you, the best you can do is maybe get a few guys, a couple of guys in their ring that can maybe do one or two things that Canelo does really well and just sort of hope for the best that Rocky is able to adjust to them once those once the two get in the ring. But overall, Canelo is really, really tough to prepare. He's great. He's, you know He is the biggest star in the world. He's the pound-for-pound pound top five guy, in my opinion. Some he's top three, maybe top one. So it really all depends on how Rocky kind of handles the nerves of Madison Square Garden and handles Canelo Alvarez's power early on. Now, if you ask my personal prediction, I do think that Canelo Alvarez is going to win. I don't think it's going to be like a knockout in the middle rounds, as as a lot of people kind of predicting. I don't believe that. I think Rocky Fielding is going to come out here a lot tougher than a lot of people are going to predict. Because remember, not a lot of people saw him face off against Tyrone Zog or at least out here in the U.S. I I don't think so. And Rocky looked great. I, I thought he looked phenomenal. And I do think that that win, going in enemy territory, when he's the underdog, I think that win really, really helped him. And he understands He's the underdog. He understands that he's just the next guy in line, that he's just a, a warm up guy for 2019, for whatever that May, uh, that Cinco de Mayo show has to bring for Canelo. He understands that really does it just so, he, so Canelo can get another title. Or at least that's what the expectation is going to be. But quite frankly, I think Rocky can have a chance to really, to hurt or at least score, or win some early rounds while Canelo kind of gets adjusted. I do think, if you ask me my personal prediction, I don't think he's going to reach the scorecards. I do think that Canelo is going to work the body tremendously. He's going to make the fight up close, going to kind of eliminate Rocky's right jab, and I do think that Canel Alvarez is going to ultimately maybe get a stoppage late in the fight, maybe 10th, 11th round, and if you ask me. But I think it's going to be a really fun and competitive fight. I do think that this is going to be something that a lot of people are going to enjoy. I think people are going to be surprised by Rocky Fielding. But ultimately, just as with the Julio Cesar Chavez fight, it doesn't matter how much bigger you are or you look compared to Canelo Alvarez. Canelo, Canelo's skill set is just at an un, unprecedented level today in boxing. And I do think that Canelo Alvarez is going to win the title probably going to vacate it almost immediately so that he can move on to back to middleweight and defend his title, the WBA and WBC titles on at the T-Mobile Arena on May 4, 2019. Um, that, that is also another big piece of news. The Golden Boy Promotions re- reserve T-Mobile Arena for next May for Canelo Alvarez's next fight. And, you know... You, you can see that at the Nevada State Athletic Convention's website, Golden Boy Promotions, reserved that date, going to be on the zone. Now, the question is, who is it going to be? Early on, there was some speculation that Gennady Golovkin would be fighting Canel Alvarez, have the trilogy fight next May. That was fueled in part because... The original reservation details of May, uh, at the Nevada State Athletic Commission's uh, website didn't just say Golden Boy promotions. It also said Triple G promotions. Now, I I believe that has now been rectified. I know they changed that, but I don't know if they, if, at some point today, they sort of change, changed it back to what it originally said. But overall, the the idea is that a lot of people think that Golovkin has signed with the Zone, and that they are already preparing for that May fifth uh, 4, 2019 trilogy fight. It could still happen. Now, uh, again, let me just say this. I'm not saying this fight isn't going to happen, or I'm not saying this fight isn't going to happen in May four. I'm saying that it's not set in stone. There's Both sides have discussed the possibility. But overall, Golovkin is still a free agent. Golovkin is still fielding offers from top rank and from PBC, may potentially find on Fox or on Showtime. And he's still fielding offers from The Zone. But, at the, but as it looks like, I think it's right now coming down to either PBC and The Zone and who gets the rights to Ganai Golovkin. Because let's remember, what's at stake is not just Golovkin, but it's also 360 Promotions, who is you know, spearheaded by Tom Loeffler, Golovkin's promoter. And they, they don't just need a place for for Golovkin. They also need... A, they also need a home for the rest of the 360 roster for the rest of Tom Lawler's guys. So it really does depend on what Lawler and Golov can prioritize. I've discussed this a number of times. You know, if you want the bigger fights, you want the world, t- the world middleweight titles, the various titles that they have available. The zone is the way to go. Now, PBC could could sign back. Daniel Jacobs, who is the IBF champion. And listen, and Daniel Jacobs versus getting out of Golovkin, too, that would be a really fun fight. That'd be an interesting fight. And that could also factor into Golovkin's decision. But if you look at the amount of fighters that Matchroom and Golda Boy has versus what PBC has, really at 160, and we're just talking strictly 160 because there's no guarantee Golovkin's going to move up or down in weight. So we're just looking at strictly 160. The biggest names you got for PBC is you you got on you got on this side you got Jamal Charlo and maybe Daniel Jacobs, but that we don't really know that. So if you take out Jacobs and you go with what is on the roster right now, you have an interim title. That's really it. And if you go to PBC route, unless you PBC makes a exception and let's go off can fight Canelo, On the zone, Golovkin is likely never going to sniff another full world title ever again for the remainder of his career, at the very least. But then you have the zone, and you have Canelo. You have Demetrius Andrade, who is the WBO middleweight champion. You got maybe Daniel Jacobs, who I think has a better chance of landing on the zone than on BBC because... They even though Jacobs' deal with Matchroom Boxing expired, it's kind of hard to say Matchroom hasn't delivered on almost everything Jacobs wanted when he first signed with Matchroom. The, you know, Jacobs got a world title, he got a big fight, he got a couple of main events on HBO. And listen, he if he wants to unify, then you have the then you have the zone, and the zone is making a big push for both Jacobs and and Golovkin. And not only that, you also got the middleweights. That uh, that go, that are not champions. I'm talking. He's trying to think off the top of my head. You got David Lemieux first off, which you know we've already seen that fight. That was a fun fight, but Golovkin won that handily. There's no who's to say you can't have Golovkin and Lemieux too until you get the Canelo Triple G three or Canelo Lemieux, uh next year. So there's a lot of different factors. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, Golovkin is making, is really thinking this over because this might be his last truly major deal with a broadcaster. And he wants to make sure he gets the fights that he wants. He gets paid the amount of money that he wants. So there's a lot of, a lot of factors that come into play. The zone is really making an active push. Uh, I've heard from sources that you know originally the zone wanted to secure him for two three fights and so just so they can secure the rights to have Canelo Triple G3 on the zone now whether it would be on May 4th or sometime later uh in 2019 maybe early 2020 that 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 was still that still wasn't decided but they just wanted to, at the very least to have the uh, the ability to keep Golovkin on the roster to have Canelo Triple G3 and it's hard to argue the zone actively trying to make that fight happen because Golovkin and Canelo, that's still the biggest fight in boxing globally. I mean, it did one point, it did a combined 2.4 million buys on pay per view, approximately. And in an era where a lot of people think pay per view is dead, at least on the boxing side, and then you have it on the UFC side that the, the product is saturated, too many pay-per-views, too many shows, not enough people to buy every single pay-per-view and consider it a success. Golovkin Canelo is still the biggest fight you can make out there, and I do think that The Zone really wants to get that, because let's face it, uh, I The Zone, even though we haven't seen the numbers, to an extent, it does kind of appear that The Zone is still not at the level where they want in terms of subscriptions i think that i don't know if they maybe overestimated the value of mushroom boxing's impact in the u.s or the fact that pbc has managed to restructure deals with showtime and signed a bigger extension with fox so uh, there's a lot of things that you know that have prevented the zone from being the kind of the juggernaut that it wants you could say, to an extent, that this is their first, their first real show. That all those previous shows, they kind of a bit of a dress rehearsal, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't in these opening months. And aside from the quality of the cars, not uh, of the USA boxing cars, not being super top heavy, uh, the undercards have all have all been pretty entertaining, in my opinion. And they do have a couple, a lot of decent names fighting, but overall. I think to an extent, it it does kind of feel like The Zone is kind of underwhelming in terms of its results. Now, it's not because of lack of trying, because because I've seen the same Michael Buffer, The Zone, pay-per-view-is-dead uh commercial with Canelo Alvarez a million times, not just on my TV, on my smartphone, on my computer, on everything. They've tried every single thing. They've thrown every single ad idea to the book. I, I saw there was a picture on, on an airport or something in New York, and there was a giant spread of the zone. It's, and as you walk here, there's kind of a little caption on the floor where it says you're walking all over on pay-per-view or something like that. And I thought, listen, the zone's getting very, very creative with these ads. They even did a a Mike Tyson's punch out type of commercial that you can see on Twitter. That which I that was really, really fun and kind of cute. But whether or not it translates to anything major in terms of subscriptions, that really remains to be seen. Because I don't know if they're going to keep this kind of ad campaign. For every single Canelo fight, and if they do, maybe they maybe it will turn out with positive results. But really, you're you just advertising Canelo, and while Alo- he alone is a fantastic draw and the biggest commercial draw you have in the U.S., at the same time, you there does uh, something needs to be said about a guy who in rocky fielding who's coming to the US for the first time has absolutely no relevance whatsoever on this side of the world prior to the announcement of canelo of the canelo alvarez fight he's not even holding the top title of one of the four major governing bodies so if you really really look at at all of this i do find it kind of hard that you're going to get a massive influx of subscriptions, like we're talking, like, and I'm, when I say massive, I mean in the well in the hundreds of thousands, well into the six figures. I don't think we're gonna get that. I think it's kind of a slow burn, and I think they're just gonna keep giving Canelo not not easy fights because I do not want to disrespect Rocky Fielding and say this is an easy fight because I spent the first ten minutes saying that of the show saying that this is not an easy fight. Or at least this is not as easy a fight as a lot of people out here really think. So, quite frankly, you look at Canelo Alvarez and the the Zone project, and and I honestly do think that it's going. You're not really going to see any real positive results, or at least any true mainstream relevance, until we're really deep into Canelo's tenure with with the Zone. And listen, they got five years. They got till. 2024, I believe. It's 11 fights. They invested a lot of money, but at the same time, they the long game is to make the zone the place to stay, uh, to stay for boxing in the U.S. And it is a tough task. But you have Golden Boy, you have Matchroom Boxing, you have the U.K. shows, you have the World Boxing Super Series, and you got Canelo Alvarez. So, it's... The pieces are all there. It's just a matter of when and if People are gonna start tuning into the zone, and I do like the fact that they're also advertising the fact that there's a free trial, so you don't even have to pay for Canelo Alvarez. Which, really, when was the last time you could say you're gonna watch a Canelo Alvarez fight live for free and it's legal? And, and I'm not talking about going to a bar and having the fight being put on there. We're talking about you're at your home, you have your smartphone, you have your Console, your laptop, or whatever you use to watch fights, and you get to watch a legal stream or legal broadcast of a Canelo fight for free. So I think that's what the zone is really trying to get at, and really try to hammer home that Canelo Alvarez is the biggest go- uh, star in boxing. You need to watch him. So I'm excited for Canelo versus Rocky. I'm excited for the rest of the undercard. Uh, real quick, just get a bit of a just so I can. Recap what the card is. Obviously, as I say, Canelo versus Rocky for the WBA regular Super Middleweight title. Tevin Farmer versus Francisco Fonseca for the IBF Super Featherweight title. David Lemieux versus Toriano Johnson. Katie Taylor versus Eva Wallstrom for the IBF and WBA women's lightweight title. Saddam Ali versus Mauricio Herrera. Ryan Garcia versus uh, Braulio Rodriguez. Lamont Roach Jr. versus Alberto Mercado. Bilal Akawi versus Victor Fonseca, Virgil Ortiz Jr. versus Omar Tienda, and Ives Ulysses Jr. versus Maximiliano Becerra. That's a loaded, loaded card, and I'm looking at this card.
0: Say goodbye
2: And look at all the fights, and they did say that the... I I found a mistake, and the undercard's supposed to start at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I may may take a little while longer, 6, 7 p.m. Eastern. But I'm very, very worried about the start time for Canelo Rocky. Because here's the problem. And this has been a complaint... I have had with the Matchroom Boxing USA shows. They they load these cards with too many long fights. And you have a main event that starts, at least here in Puerto Rico, 2 a.m. or close to 2 a.m. And this is another instance where you have a, a Matchroom Boxing show. Or at least a show where Matchroom Boxing is involved with. And you have nothing but big in long fights, and if, it, if the undercar is supposed to start at seven, what? And and I honestly don't think any of these fights are gonna uh, Golden Boys gonna be like, nah, we can put them on that swing bouts, we can put them after the main event's done. Uh, aside from maybe a bylaw Akawi versus Victor Fonseca, aside from that. I just don't – I just find it hard to believe that you're going to put any of these fights after the main event. So you're looking at three 12-round fights, three scheduled 12-round fights, a 10-round women's fight, which is two minutes around, round, five 10-round fights, and one eight-round fight. I don't know what has been with Golden Boy, uh, with Golden Boy and their obsession with kind of being the next UFC, as with Golden Boy MMA, but they are not. But they should not be taking a page out of the UFC playbook and make the entire card full of long fights and and a lot, and have a lot of them. There's a time and place for a lot of the the guys, and I do understand you want to put the product out there in their first major, and I do mean absolute major U.S. show. You want to put as many of your big guys and top prospects out there, but your problem is, let's say all of these fights take place before Canelo Alvarez versus Rocky Fielding. And they all go decently long. I don't expect them to go to all of them go long, but let's say for the sake of argument that it's going to go long. You do realize that Canelo versus Rocky Fielding probably won't start until 1:30, 2 a.m. Eastern, if that is the case, because I just these are there's too many long fights. This, like you, this this card should have a couple of four-rounders, a couple of six-rounders, or at the very least, a couple of eight-rounders that, depending on the length of the card, you play by the ear and you say, hey, you, you know, card's running too long, we're either going to put you after the main event or we're going to have to take two rounds from your from your fight. And there might be a few of those uh, fights that, that may ultimately be cut short in terms of how many rounds it's going to be, but I just really don't want this main event to go uh, to go is start at 1 a.m. or at 2 a.m.? I really don't. No one wants to see that. Main event should start at like 11 p.m. Eastern. 10 p.m. Eastern. Midnight at the latest. Absolute latest. And for as much as Golden Boy, part of the promotion is, hey, we're pushing back the start time for the main card. That way we can all see Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin without being absolutely dog-tired by the time those two step into the ring. So I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't think that we're going to have a a quick night. I think this is gonna be a very, very long night. I will be doing a live coverage so on Fightful.com, fifoboxing.com. And uh you can de- and I will do a post show podcast right as soon as the main event concludes. So no matter what time it's gonna be whether if it's midnight, 1 a.m, 2 a.m. 4 a.m. doesn't matter. We're gonna do a live post show afterwards, so you can either tune in live and leave your comments, your feedback, whatever you your opinions are on the fight in general. And um, here we have a grand old time, grand old time talking Ken Oliver versus Rocky. And in this time, and in this card uh, podcast, also, if you have any questions? If you have any comments? Leave, us in, leave it in the live chat down below. I'll be more than happy to answer them. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to our new Fightful Boxing and MMA channel. We're doing a lot of stuff going on on the air numerous times during the day. Not just on the MMA and Boxing channel, but on the Pro Wrestling channel as well. And, man, this has been a big, big month in combat sports. We we had Wilder versus Fury a couple of weeks ago, so... We, we we are gonna see how 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 this fight performs. I, I hope for an excellent night. I do hope that uh we get a really, really good fight between Canal Alvarez and Rocky Fielding. So speaking of really, really good fights, Wilder vs. Fury. Boy, that that sure was something. That was a hell of a fight. I loved it. And I am not alone when I say this. When the boxing world really wants to see that rematch, and I want to see that rematch. I really, really want to do. And from the looks of things, uh, a pay-per-view buy rate is looking good. It's apparently going to be between 300000 and 325000 which is what I predicted on the post-show a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about my predictions and my estimates of what the final pay-per-view buy rate is going to be. Now, Eddie Hearn says... That this the three hundred to three hundred twenty five thousand is not great, when, but I I don't know what is it with Eddie Hearn, because his objective is to secure the big fight for Anthony Joshua, and he's constantly trashing the event, trashing the fight, criticizing uh, things left and right about this fight, and he's not endearing himself to either Wilder or Fury, for a potential shot at Anthony Joshua. So I don't really know what is what is it with Eddie Hearn, whether or not he truly believes this or not. I don't think it's smart of him criticizing what what it would potentially be the other half of the biggest heavyweight fight that you can possibly make. And Wilder versus Joshua is still the biggest heavyweight fight, bigger than Wilder Fury 2, But I digress. The idea that this fight. Was anything but a success is ludicrous and, in my opinion, wrong, because the the break even number was two hundred fifty thousand buys, and it, with it being at least three hundred, listen, Showtime's gonna be um, made some good money. De- Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury made a mint when when it, when it comes to the pay per view revenue, and I think they're both gonna make close to eight figures at the very very least. So biggest payday of Wilder's career, uh, arguably the biggest in Fury's career. I don't know what his what what Fury's purse uh, purses have been for the Klitschko fight off the top of my head, but it's one of the one of the biggest paydays of Fury's career. So overall, I think the boxing world is really, really excited for a potential Wilder for Fury 2. Now, if you wanna ask when that fight could happen, when when are we gonna see Wilder Fury 2? That's that's kind of tough to say because this is a PBC event, first and foremost. The idea of those two having a pay-per-view bout in May, it's a little too soon not for the reasons you may think. It's not because it's too soon after Wilder Fury one I would love that this fight took place in April or March, if you ask me. And I, and Wilder said he would love to have that fight around that time frame. But you also got to understand that next month, PBC has the Manny Pacquiao versus Adrian Broner pay-per-view. And in March 16, you have the Mikey Garcia versus Errol Spence Jr. pay-per-view. So... Your PBC kind of put themselves in a corner, and, or in a bit of a hole, when it comes to Wilder Fury too, because you want to strike while the iron iron hot, but if you put it in April or in May, you're sacrificing the promotion or pay per pay per view buys for all the pay- for all the events that PBC has in in the next few months. So, Showtime Sports President. Stephen Espinosa was saying that he would kind of prefer it for it to take place maybe May or June, which is still pretty good. I think that's still a really, really good time frame. May, June, you're, you know, it's still not, like, deep into the NBA playoffs. MLB Baseball had just started. There's no football. So that's still, you know, the, the summer is still a really, really good time frame for making that fight a reality. And if you put that fight in Las Vegas or in Brooklyn, that that's when you're really gonna potentially get a lot of a lot of uh, attention to it. Let's remember, Deontay Wilder versus Dice Verde, This is December, end of the year. Is not exactly the optimal time to have your big big pay per view, but they still managed to do relatively well. And I do hope that a rematch is made because the amount of money that. The, those who have made, and is is a lot. Paper revenue is at least twenty million from the U.S. buyers alone. And I do apologize, my my throat's a little bit dry. I was on the conference call recent, uh just before hopping onto the air. But yeah, Wilder Fury. That's still a great. That was a great fight. It's not the best fight of the year, but it's still one of the more memorable. U.S. heavyweight fights in a very, very long time. And I don't think PBC is dumb enough to ruin a potential rematch. So I do think that we're going to get a rematch. Again, for those of you joining in or tuning in, leave us a, if you have any questions you want me to answer on anything boxing related, leave it in the live chat down below and I'll be sure to answer it. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe to our new MMA and boxing channel. And also subscribe to our Fightful Pro Wrestling channel. We got WWE TLC this Sunday. So Fightful Sean Ross Sapp is going to be there breaking down the entire event. That TLC pay-per-view is uh, it's actually pretty good. I'm actually looking forward to it. So lastly, I, I don't want to end this podcast without, I guess, giving a bit of a, well, not eulogy, but I guess a bit of a farewell to HBO Boxing. Their final card took place last Saturday at the StubHub Center. You had two world title fights. You had Cecilia Breakers against uh, Alexandra Masiak-Lopez uh, for the Undisputed Women's welterweight title. You had Clarissa Shields against Fem- uh, Femke Hermans for the Unified w- uh, Middleweight uh, title. And then you also got Fra- uh, Juan Francisco Estrada in action uh overall, let's get the in-ring action out of the way. This was bad. This was a colossal. This uh, the the reception, the critical reception of the in-ring stuff, we're only talking about the in-ring action was overwhelmingly negative. Like, man, I don't think I've ever seen so much criticism for for an HBO card in a very, very long time. And it is sad that it kind of basically went the way of all Yeller. The reception basically was like the old Yeller brought out – h he brought HBO Boxing, brought this card out in back of the barn and shot in the face because, my God, it was dying a slow and painful death. To be honest, if it were up to me, I would have just ended after the – I would have just ended after Canel Triple g Tube. That's it. Uh, maybe the Daniel Jacobs, Sergey Derevyanchenko card. That was a good card. That was a good card. So I'm not mad about th- uh, that card taking place. But, man, this card, it was just sad. There was no one watching this fight. I, I, the viewership was just atrocious. Like, average, uh, peak average viewership was, like, Well, not not the peak, but the highest average viewership for a fight. I'm not talking about the single peak, but just the average itself was below 350,000, which I believe is an all time low, or at least one of the lowest rated HBO cards ever. And it was so sad just watching. There was no one at the StubHub Center. I'm here. I'm the first of all. There was no official attendance number because the attendance was so low, they didn't even want to admit how bad the attendance was. And I'm hearing people saying they didn't want even a 1,000 people. There's pictures. you can uh, Steve Kim, who's an ESPN reporter, he posted a picture of the card. I don't know at what point the card was hit, if it was at the start of the card or right before the HBO card started. I know it wasn't before the TV card started. But you look at that, it was a ghost town. It was a goddamn funeral. There's some people saying there was maybe 500 people watching this this card in attendance. Think about that. 500 people at the StubHub Center for the final HBO boxing card maybe ever. That's, it's sad. It's really really sad, but it does kind of show that HBO needed to go. It really did. Their priority is no longer boxing. The priority is on their original series. They, the budget just kept getting cut and cut and cut out of the HB out of the boxing department. They no longer outside of Canelo and Triple G, you had no one that is of certifiable draw. The Miguel Cotto's gone. Kovalev's not on HBO anymore. HBO was unable to get the Dmitry Bivol-Sergey Kovalev unification fight because Kovalev Kovalev lost his title. There's so many things that factor in, but quite frankly, ultimately, this was it. There There was no two ways around it. I was sad. I'm not gonna lie. When I said uh, when when I watched it, I, I I was emotional. This was this wasn't just like oh, just some company, uh, just some network no longer doing boxing. Don't so remember HBO was boxing in the United States 45 years. Like HBO. Has, it's as instrumental to the growth of boxing in the United States as just about anything in the past half century. And for it to see it go, it's... We got so many people into boxing. It's what so many people... You know, it's... You know, boxers, fans, writers, broadcasters, everyone who grew up a fan of the sport here in the US saw HBO Boxing... They were impacted by it one way or another. They remember the great calls by Jim Blantley. They remember the chemistry he had with, 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 with his numerous, numerous broadcaster with Larry Merchant, most of all. You had uh, you re- will remember all the times Jim Blantley turned it over to Harold Lem- Harold Letterman. With, to give his unofficial scorecard. And you remember the first thing that Harold Lemon says every single time they turned it over to him. Let me tell you something, Jim. Listen, Jim, and it was such iconic. There's so many iconic moments in every single telecast. And for it to just go, it's was sad. It's, it's disheartening. And the in-ring action being as terrible as it was, as anti-climatic as it was, when you look at the card on paper, and I'm again, and I'm not criticizing the the women, the female world champions, because I do I am a fan of women's boxing, but you look at that card. Did was there a single person that honestly thought there was a good chance? Either champion was gonna lose or even or even get pushed around? No. This is not gonna happen. Clarissa Shield was just coming off a title defense less than a month ago. You think she's gonna you think they're gonna pair her up with something with a world beater, especially when the big money fight for closer Shields is Chris um Christina Hammer and Cecilia Brakis? No, they're not gonna do that. They're not gonna risk that. And Cecilia Brakis, unless your name is Callie Hayes. 're not gonna get uh, you're not gonna get a lot of trouble and I believe and I counted I believe only one judge gave one round to the Challenger in either fights total every single judge had it a shutout except for one judge who I believe had a 9991 in favor of Cecilia Breakus. other than that 190 so- across the board for both fights and when Fra- Juan Francisco Estrada he was coming in at the last second because Chocolatito Gonzalez was injured. So there's no way they're going to put it on with a big with a big opponent. No way, not enough time. So this was a terrible card as far as competitive fights are concerned. The one good thing that came out of this was one Lyra Merchant being a part of the broadcast towards the end, which I thought was Nice was very, very uh, uh, was very, very heartwarming seeing Larry Merchant again, and the general emotion at the end of the broadcast. Jim from Jim Lamley and Larry Merchant and Max Kellerman and Roy Jones Jr. The emotion, the the tears, or almost, or uh, the tears that were flowing from a lot of people. Man, it was at that moment that, yeah, we can criticize the card as much as you want, but at the end of the day, it's still HBO Boxing for it to see it to go. It was, it it hit me so hard. It was so sad. The montage it had towards those. those, I if I do recommend, I don't recommend watching the fights because they're not anti, because they're anticlimactic and they're not really worth watching. But I do recommend watching those last 20 minutes. And you can easily find that on Twitter. In fact, I think I, I retweeted of uh, the video of it. So you can find me at CallStore360. And somewhere you'll eventually find. And I'll probably retweet it uh, again. Because it does bear watching. Man, those last 20 minutes were incredible. It was outside of the pay-per-views. From this year, it was the best piece of television HBO Boxing has had the entire year, and in recent memory. And quite frankly, I don't think that you couldn't have ended any better. The card itself was terrible, but the last twenty minutes, man you you could not have scripted it any ma- any better. There's no way you could have done it better than what they did. I recommend anyone watching uh, to have a, a box of tissues nearby, if you're emotional like me, to watch those last 20 minutes. And I can guarantee you memories, emotions again, it's going to start coming in Real fast and hit you like a truck because it sure as hell did hit me. But we have a lot to look forward to in 2019 because we have the zone, we have Showtime, we have Fox, we have ESPN, ESPN Plus. Hey, we got a lot of ideas. We we got lots of good boxing coming coming in the next few years and moving forward. Could HBO return to boxing? Sure. I agree. You know, there's always going to be a room for HBO, whether it be for nostalgia or whether they generally come back. But hey, maybe we could see HBO t- return down the line. I don't think ever they ever will, but hey, HBO. With, with the ending of HBO comes the new life that is the Zone. PBC, top rank on ESPN, there's plenty of options. There's more options now more than ever. And quite frankly, you can thank HBO for that. Because if it wasn't for HBO giving the relevance and the importance to the sport of boxing as it has done in 45 years, the sport may not be what it is right now. And I I'm excited for what the future has to hold and I am sad for HBO leaving, but hey, all good things must come to an end and oh a bit of a I'm not sure if you can call this breaking news but uh Amanda Serrano who is the who holds the record for most division and most world titles in different weight classes uh having won in history Amanda Serrano says or tweeted she's fighting in, Jan, in January for a hundred for a super flyweight world title she didn't specify you. Against whom or which title but she is going to be but it is the first fight in her three fight deal with the zone and she says she's scheduled to fight Katie Taylor by the end of the year, so I'm excited for that. So Amena Surround versus Katie Taylor, that's a hell of a fight. But yeah, so that about wraps it up for this edition of the Fightful Boxing Podcast. We're going to be doing live coverage of Canelo versus Rocky of, of the entire card. And then afterwards, we're going to be providing live cover, uh, a live post-show podcast here on the Fightful MMA and Boxing channel. As soon as Canelo versus Rocky ends, again, you can watch that entire card starting, I believe, at 6 p.m. Eastern on The Zone. So it's going to be a very, very long night of boxing, but I'm very excited for it. As I said, my prediction for this card is I think Canelo Alvarez is going to win the WBA regular super middleweight title. Is going to beat Rocky Fielding by late stoppage. I say 11 round TKO. So that's my prediction. Let me know what you all think of this fight. I'm looking forward to talking with all of you and chatting it up after Canelo Alvarez versus Rocky Fielding. Until then, go to Fightful.com for all the latest news and. MMA, Boxing, and Pro Wrestling. We got coverage of practically every single thing there is to cover. And we're excited for what's up ahead for 2019 for Fightful in MMA, Boxing, and Pro Wrestling. But until then, we got Canelo versus Rocky on Saturday. And until then, Carl store of FightfulBoxing.com. We're out. Have a beautiful rest of the day.